Well, I, uh, I see a lot of many new faces this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful you guys are here, all of you. Uh, I also am assuming that some of that is uh, you're in town for Thanksgiving. How many of you had a good Thanksgiving? Just show your hand. Yeah, it was a great time. Uh, we ended up having three Thanksgivings, um, so which, you know what that means is three Thanksgiving meals. Um, I, I, I gained seven pounds this week, uh, and I'm not exaggerating. I actually weighed, and... Uh, can't wait for it to, to go through. Um, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it'll happen one of these days. But uh, it was a really good time. We, we traveled to three different family sites and uh, were able to see all sorts of family. But I know some of you uh, got to be with your church family on Sunday or on Thursday for Thanksgiving. How many of you got to uh, be down there for, for dinner with uh, belonging to your church? I loved it. That was a great time. I saw the picture there. If you didn't get to see it, it's online, I think. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful for our, our, our time together this morning. I think it's been a very, very, uh, just a powerful morning so far. And I'm praying that the, the Lord would speak right now. Because um, if, I'm, if I'm in this, then this is not going to go very well. Um, but if the Lord's in it, then this will be awesome. Um, so uh, how, this is actually going to be a helpful thing for me. How many of you have yet to come to my house? Just show your hands. It's okay. I, I, this is not embarrassing for me. This is ambitious for me. If you've come, yeah, okay, good. I, I've got this down. So you're, you're going to be 2024 is a year for you. Um, my wife and I like to garden. We have a garden. We have an apple tree. Uh, one of our neighbors also has an apple tree in their backyard. It's just behind our house. And uh, that apple tree um, every year has this potential to bear a ton of fruit. And yet... Every year as I watch it, it bears almost no fruit. It's an, it's, I'm not confused. I know it's an apple tree, <laughs> uh, uh, but it, it bears no fruit. And, 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 and some of the apples that I see on it that are actually growing are browned and bruised and malformed, and they just look inedible. And a lot of times they just rot and they fall to the ground a, a lot earlier than they should be. Uh, there's, there's very little harvest at all from that one apple tree uh, on my neighbor's property. And, and, and you can look at that and you can think, well, there, there might be something with the water. Maybe it's not getting enough water. Well, that's not true. It's actually right next to uh, one of the spillways for our neighborhood where water comes out. That's some of the most saturated ground in our neighborhood right there. It's got plenty of water. You might think, well, it's a problem with sunlight. No, the way the sun goes, it gets full sunlight all day, every day. And yet it's still not producing fruit. So what is the problem then? Well, the problem is that it's not pruned. The problem with that tree is that it has not been touched in the last, I know, three years, if not plus, because I've lived there for three years and I know nobody's touched that tree. In fact, I've offered, the, I've been, actually I told my wife I wanted to and she said, no, you can't do that. I wanted to offer to prune their tree as long as I get to keep all the apples. Uh, but they wouldn't let me. Um, my wife wouldn't let me. Um, but it just, it's not been pruned. Uh, arborists, um, I, I, have a, I have a friend back in Northeast PA who, who is a, a tree man, an arborist. And, and, and one of the things that he would say about those kinds of trees, arborists call them hairy trees. They're hairy, right? They're, they're just overgrown. There's so much growth in so many different areas. It's unplanned. It's wild. And it's unpruned. 
an unpruned tree is not producing hardly any fruit that can be tasteful or good. It's, it's all rotten fruit. It's all uh, malnourished fruit, bruised fruit, poisoned fruit. Now, I, I bring that up today because we're going to be back in John 15, 1 through 3. We talked about verses 1 through 8 last week, and I said something <laughs> last service uh, where I said, I'm, I'm growing more content with covering less and going deeper. And so I, I, as much as I've wanted to rush through the Gospel of John, uh, we've been, this is our 53rd sermon in the Gospel of John. So there's been no rushing, and I've heard no complaints about how long it's been taking to go through the Gospel of John. My aim here is to show you how rich every single word can be and not try to rush through it. So that's why I'm, I've, I've just said I'm going to go back and, and we're going to stay here in this imagery because there's more that we didn't even get to talk through that I think is important for us. Because Jesus just called himself what last week? He said, I am the true vine. And what are we? We are the branches. So he's talking about the imagery there, showing us what it looks like to have a, or, 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 or kind of describing what kind of relationship you and I are to have with Jesus, right? He is a vine, we're the branches. In other words, we're to abide in him, we're to be connected into him, we're to be remaining in him, we're to be drawing our life out of him. We don't have any life apart from him. We can't do anything without him, is what he's getting at in this imagery. And, and, and so, we have this image of the vine and the branch. I don't want to confuse it with an electrical socket and a lamp. I don't want to do other things. Just let the image be what Jesus intends it to be. And, and here's the thing. Like, it's a beautiful thing. And if you didn't get to hear what, what this all meant, go, go back and listen to it. It's online. It, it's a really long sermon. I apologize for that. But, but, but just going into the text and seeing how rich that imagery is. And how rich Jesus is intent, like what he came to be for us in our life. Like, I don't want you to miss that. That's the most important part of this. It's abiding in Christ, being united with him. It's where we get all of our life. Now, here's what's interesting, though, is that uh, there's this dynamic in the text that we didn't talk about last week that I, I want to bring up and, 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 and to, to focus in on. And, and, and it's the idea of pruning. You know, when, when branches uh, grow... Do they grow perfectly? No. No, they, they have all sorts of issues. They've got all sorts of problems. Uh, they can grow in one direction that's just crossing over into another branch and taking up oxygen and sunlight. They can, they can grow off and then it can die off, right? Like, there's all sorts of issues that branches have uh, when they're connected to a tree. But uh, more particularly, uh, with the grape image in the branch there connected to the vine, it can also have all of these issues even though the branch can be connected into the vine and drawing its life out of the vine, it can have parts of itself that are dead, that are unnecessary, that are unhealthy, and misguided. If, if you don't, uh, if you're not, <laughs> if you're keeping the illustration just about the branch, let's just all raise our hand if that describes us. Yes. Are, you, don't, you don't think there's some dead things in your life? You don't think there's some unnecessary parts of your life? Do you, are you like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, 
Right? Oh my, yes, we're all in this. We're the branches. We're the ones who, who, who are, have some unhealth in us, right? We're the ones who have some unnecessary things going on in us, some, some dead offshoots, right? Things that aren't bearing any fruit in us. Some areas of unhealth. And there's a way that all of that can hinder fruitfulness in your life. Now, when I say fruitfulness, I'm not talking about prosperity, flourishing of finances and wealth and things. I'm talking about your ability to glorify God by the works that you do and the convictions you hold to. And we'll talk more about what fruit is next time we're in this in January, uh, because we're about to go into an Advent season. We'll talk about what fruit is then, but all of this overgrowth unnecessary growth, misguided growth, unhealthy growth, all of these different kinds of shoots hinder your fruitfulness. They get in the way of being able to be glorifying to the Lord. It's like a conduit, right? Like a conduit that's supposed to transport one thing to another area. If it's clogged up in there, if there's unhealth in there, there's nothing that can get through. And so these unhealthy areas in our life They'll, they'll limit fruitfulness. They'll hinder fruitfulness. And one of the things that we as Christians have resigned ourselves to, we've resolved ourselves to, is being available to the Lord to bear his fruit through us into this world. And yet there's still things in us that get in the way. This can hinder your fruitfulness. And, and actually, we didn't talk about it last week either. Did you notice in verse 8? He says, my father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. There's a way that the unhealth, that the, the misguidedness, the, the dead parts, those things in our lives that, that are overgrown and wild and, 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 and unnecessary, all of those things can, can rob God of glory in ways that they were designed to bring him glory. Because if we bear much fruit, we're, we're glorifying to the Father. That's God's design. So, so, if there are things in our lives that hinder fruitfulness, that then hinder glory to the Father through us in our lives, would we not want to say, yeah, get rid of whatever's in my life so that I can be more fruitful and give glory to my Father in heaven. Is that not the disposition of our hearts? I mean, that's, that's mine. That's, that's what I want. Whatever it takes. So, so are, we, are, we, are we stuck in that kind of position with all of this unhealth? Like, you know that we, when we, that's why we sing the song, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Like, that we sing that, and it's like, well, yeah, man, I am. I've got some problems. <laughs> I am kind of messed up. Man, this doesn't feel good. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Right? There's a reason why we've seen that, because we know that there are things still in us that are not yet there yet. They're not yet what God has plans to produce in us one day. He's working on us. We're all works in progress. So, so, so if, if we f are coming to this conviction which the gospel already outed us as all of us as, as having some wild growth, having some dead things in our life, having all of these different things that are, that are pro prohibiting or hindering fruitfulness unto the Lord. And our heart is 
What, what, what are we going to do? What do we do with this? Do we start like trying to uh, uh, produce more fruit in one area of our life so we can try to see, squeeze something out, one thing for the Lord? Like, no, it's, it's like, what do we do? What's our, what's our hope in all of this? Well, our, 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 our hope is the pruning knife of the gardener. It's, it's, it's the gardener coming in and pruning us, cleaning all of that wild, overgrown, unhealthy, offshoots in our life. Look at, again, verse 1 and 2. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Some of your translations might say vine dresser. That's fine. They're one and the same. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. We talked about that last week. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. Now, first and foremost, let's just take a step back and look up at God. As we come to this text and come from this text, we can see just how involved the triune Godhead is in our lives. We've talked about that. Remember the Tupperware illustration? I'm going to keep going back to that. Like how, how crazy involved we're in Christ. The Holy Spirit is in us, and, and then Christ is in the Father. And it's like, man, every, God really wants you involved in his life. And he wants to be involved in yours. And so we've got this here where, where we have Jesus is divine. He's the one that we're united to. And we get our life from him. We also have just uh, discovered in chapter 13 about the Holy Spirit, how, how he's coming to dwell in us. And, and he leads us into truth and, and counsels our hearts and can, convicts us of lies and renews our minds. So we have Jesus, the Son. We have the Holy Spirit involved in this. And then here we have the Father. One of the things that I love doing is paying attention to the different roles the persons of the God have, Godhead have in our lives as Christians. Because it, it informs the way that I pray and to whom that I pray. You don't always have to pray to the Father. I don't know if you know that. There are times where Obviously, the disciples went and prayed to Jesus. When Peter was drowning, Jesus helped me, right? When, when, and, and in the early church, they prayed to the Holy Spirit, right? So there's different ways. Uh, people, like in the, in the one God, it's three persons. There's, there's, we can pray to the unique roles or uh, to the unique persons of the, and the roles that accompany them. And so, so here we see, man, so Holy Spirit, lead me in the truth. Jesus, give me your life. I want your life if you take my sin. It's an incredible trade, by the way. What the, it's a good gospel. And then, and then here, we have the Father. And, and what does he do? He prunes. He prunes. To prune, obviously, you know the illustration. It's, it's to cut away overgrowth or wild growth. It's to cut off particular branches or shoots that are coming off of the branches on the vine. There's a reason why pruning is so important for the life of a, of, a, of, a, of a vine or the branch or the tree. Every branch or every shoot off of the branch requires energy. It requires light. It requires a lot of resources to sustain it. And the more that is attached to that branch the harder it is for that branch to sustain the life. 
the harder it is to stay, draw enough resources from the vine where all of those things are, are connected and, and, and requiring resources. Pruning is the process where shoots that are either dead or unhealthy or unnecessary are cut off because they're still requiring resources from the branch. They're still requiring water and light and energy and all of these different things. And, and it takes away the strength from the branch. And so pruning is so helpful because God comes in and He removes all the excess. He takes away those things that are, that are requiring so much that are unnecessary or unhealthy. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But here's what I love, and this is a promise of incredible proportions of joy. If you read this and you're like, I don't know if this sounds good, then I don't know if you know the Father's heart. He prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. Praise God. He prunes every branch that produces fruit. If there's a branch that doesn't produce fruit, he actually removes the branch, like he just said in verse 2. But if a branch is producing fruit, he prunes it. He cuts away from the branch anything that's excess, anything that's extraneous to the central purpose of that branch. In the same way, God is saying that, or Jesus is saying that the Father comes in and he prunes us. He removes from our lives the excess, the extraneous things that are, that are requiring so much, that are not central to his purpose in your life. He cuts it away. I would argue that there's, there's not a single branch that is bearing fruit that is exempt from pruning. He'll prune every one of us who are bearing fruit. And I praise God for that. There's no fruit-bearing branch that's exempt from this process. And, and here's what, like, it's an incredible thing because pieces of us as branches, by our cooperation with the gardener, they need to die. They need to be removed if we're to become what God has envisioned for us. He cuts away certain things so that there can be growth in other areas. He removes to add. He cuts away to bring in. Now, I think some of us... Um, are more familiar with what it feels like to be pruned than others. I think some of that comes from just longevity and relationship with Christ. I think another part of it comes with a sincerity in cooperating with the pruning knife of the Father. I think most of us have experienced in some way pruning. And uh, have, you, have you found it, just raise your hand if you found it to be fun and enjoyable. I thought so. It's, it's not. Uh, it's very painful. It's hard. When we are pruned, the nature of pruning is loss. 
That's what's hard about it. It, it, is, it is the removal of excess, and it's the experience of loss. Now, I'm not saying all loss in your life is, is God pruning, but I'm saying that, man, it might be an environment where he is, but the nature of pruning is just removal. It's loss, and loss is hard. Loss is painful. When we're pruned, like, it's it's very easy for us to be like, whoa, whoa, God, what are you doing, right? Like, wait, <laughs> I wanted that. Oh, that hurts, God. Hold, hold on. And just, do that one, but not this one. I want this one. Don't, don't just, you can take that one, right? Like all of these different experiences, but pruning is hard. I mean, we can, we can see God removing things in our lives, and we can see the pile of all the waste on the floor. And we can say, God, what are you, what are you doing? Like, that was good. I thought that was bearing some fruit. We might look at that pile and say, what a waste that is. I came across uh, a quote from Amy Carmichael. Uh, She's a a missionary to India. She opened up an orphanage there. She served there for 55 years. Incredible woman. If you get to read any of her story, I highly recommend it. Uh, But she wrote a little bit about what pruning is like. What prodigal waste it appears to be to see scattered on the floor the bright green leaves and the bare stem, bleeding in a hundred places from the sharp steel, but with a tried and trusted husbandman. There's not a random stroke in it at all, nothing cut away which would have been lost to keep and gained to lose. Did you catch that? There's not a random stroke in any of the pruning that comes from the Father. None of it is like, oop, I didn't mean that one. (laughs) Nothing cut away which would not have been lost to keep and gained to lose. In other words, you see that pile on the floor of all those offshoots And you say, that is gain, to lose it, to hold on to it, to try to fight to get it back on, (laughs) that would be loss. But pruning is painful because it takes a sharp blade. It takes a sharp blade and it produces pain. I I don't know... I don't know if any of us actually like pain. Uh, in fact, our, our, our society, the way that we design our technology and uh, the way we design our homes and, and cars and all of these things, we actually design them in a way to avoid pain at all costs. The pain of waiting for a package for two days is now becoming same-day delivery. Oh, now I can avoid the pain of impatience. The pain of having to go grocery shopping and deal with your own patients in the, in the store and, and encounter other human beings. No, you can get it, all your groceries now delivered right to your home. Now, I'm not knocking all this stuff. It's, I mean, praise the Lord. But, but we're designing things to avoid pain. And, and when we experience the pain of pruning, most of us will try to do what we can to avoid it especially if we know it's coming. 
And so I want to say that this text offers to us two helpful reminders when we're in a season of pruning or when we're uh, experiencing pruning. Sometimes it's a season, right? Every spring I go out and prune my apple tree. It knows it's coming. (laughs) Sometimes the branch falls in the middle of fall. Sometimes there's seasons of pruning. Sometimes it just happens randomly and God brings it in and he removes something from your life. But there's two reminders that while we're in the season or a moment of pruning, two reminders I think that, that should be offered to us this morning. And the first one is the objective of pruning. What God has planned, what his mission is, what his objective is as he removes things from your life, from your character, from, from your habits, from your, like, your loves and and your joys, those things that you find pleasure in. He might remove some things, right? All these different things. There's, there's an objective that he has that if I remind you of it and you are reminded of it when you are in the season of pruning, it will make it all joy for you. And the first reminder is this, that his objective is fruitfulness. His objective in your life is fruitfulness. In fact, I would say that flourishing fruit comes through painful pruning. Can you say that with me? One, two, three. Flourishing fruit comes through painful pruning. Remember verse two, he said it, right? The pr- he prunes every branch that produces fruit. Why? Tell me why. So it'll produce more fruit. As I already mentioned this, so we have an apple tree on our property. Some of you, many of you have actually tasted the fruit of that apple tree. We moved in three years ago. It was already a full-grown tree, but nobody had pruned it at all. Nobody had touched it. And, and uh, when springtime came in 2021 and, and it was getting ready to start working on its blooms and blossoms, uh, I went out and, and, and with some shears started cutting off different growth areas, different um, branches that, that looked unhealthy, different branches that were crossing over others, different branches that just weren't necessary to the design of how the tree worked and I cut off its branches and only left a few and the fruitfulness of that tree was incredible in 2022 I failed to prune that spring our tree because it had already grown up some different offshoots which I'll explain what that can happen what can I, what that looks like in a little bit And it didn't produce as much fruit or as healthy a fruit. And then this past year, in the spring, I pruned it again. I got up there and and with my saw and sometimes a chainsaw and sometimes a little snipper thing, right? Cut away branches, cut away offshoots, excess. And this year, I mean, you know those, what are they? uh, How big are those totes uh, that we, like what? 10, 20 gallon totes? We, we had three full of those from one branch. We had over 2,000 apples, or 1,000 or 2,000 apples from that one tree alone after it had experienced pruning. And the fruit was the healthiest we'd ever seen this year. So go back to the first tree. It experienced no pruning. It's wild, it's overgrown. 
Leaves on one side are dead at the end of the spring because the leaves on the other side are so overgrown they block out sunlight. At the fall, there's no fruit. It's all on the ground, mushed and muddy. Because it didn't get pruned. You look at the tree on our property and you see it's very skimpy. It's got few branches. You can almost see through the tree. It doesn't look like it carries much, but when you collect the harvest, it's an overabundance of fruit because it was pruned. So when you are in an experience of pruning or a season of pruning, remind yourself and go to your father and you say, all right, father, I I can tell you're pruning me. And I'm eager to see what kind of fruit you're now going to bear in my life. What fruit's going to get healthier? What fruit's going to grow more abundantly? Which shoot of my life is going to bear more fruit for your glory? Remind yourself of that in the season of pruning. All right, fruitfulness. That's God's objective in this. More fruit, Lord. I want to glorify you by bearing much fruit. Now, there's another reminder I think is essential for us as we get into understanding the season of pruning. It's not just his objective that I think we need to be reminded of. I think it's his motive as well. Why on earth would, would the father put the, the branch through painful pruning for fruitfulness? Why would he do it? Well, the motive is love. 100%. It's his undying, unquenchable, gracious love for you. This is what we'll see in Scripture, that the Father prunes us because he loves us. I'm reminded of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. It's a long text, so follow with me. In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as, your, as sons, which, which comes from, this quote comes from Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. So endure suffering, sorry, endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the father of spirits and live? For they are disciplined uh, so, for they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit so that we can share in his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Pruning is also called training. As sons and daughters... The Father, in His great love for us, prunes us. So if you have experienced a deep kind of wound from pruning, if you are in a season of pruning, can I just offer this encouragement to you? It's it's not because you've done anything wrong. It's because He loves you. 
He loves you as a son. He loves you as a daughter. He's adopted you as his own. And if you are legitimately his son and his daughter, you will experience pruning. You will experience the discipline of the father. If I did not discipline any of my children and just kind of let them run free and run wild, is that love? No, it's not. Offering unhindered wild freedom to children is not love. It's either apathy or borderline hatred. To to carefully go into your child's life and say, no, this this needs to be removed. Uh, I don't want you to grow in this area because that will only lead to to heartache and, and chaos. I want you to grow in this area. That is love. And the Father has designed this pruning process in a way to be a reminder of us, to us, that He loves us unconditionally and has plans for us. So I just want to encourage you to take heart. If you're in a season of pruning, it's not because you've done something wrong. It's because he loves you so much. He loves you as you are, and he loves you enough to to not keep you as you are. (laughs) Now, I think another thing that we need to ask then is, uh, what is the pruning shears in the believer's life? So if the father comes in to prune, what does he use to do the pruning? And I think verse 3 actually tells us exactly what that is. Look at verse 3. You, the disciples, are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, in, in the English, in our English translations, it's hard to see the connection. It seemed like he pulled a squirrel right? Vine, branch, uh, uh, abide, the father, he's the gardener, he removes, you're clean, right? No, it, what happens is, is um, in, in, in verse 3, Jesus says that his followers are already clean, and the word clean is related in the Greek to the verb pruned. In other words, you are already pruned or being pruned, Why? Because of the word that I've spoken to you. They've already been under the pruning shears of the Father. And the pruning shears of the Father is the word of the Son. This shouldn't surprise us. This should complete some of our understanding, because we've seen this before in Hebrews chapter 4, for the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There's a way that the Word of the Lord is the Spirit, right? The sword of the Spirit is the Word of the Lord in the sense that it's, it's, a, it's a, a pruning knife, God's Word has the ability to cut away certain things, not just in what He speaks, but in what He's spoken. It's got a way to clean us up, to prune us. And so some of us have not really experienced much pruning in our lives because we have no clue what to do with this. Or maybe we know what we should be doing with it and we're just not. 
If you want to put yourself in the environment for pruning, get in this. Now, I think to kind of bring all of this together, the, the, the final question I think that we need to ask, what does the Lord actually prune in our lives? What is it that He has intentions to remove? We love to talk about the things that He's eager to add to our lives, don't we? We'll sit around Thanksgiving meal and celebrate that, right? But we'll hardly ever sit around Thanksgiving meal and say, God removed this from my life. He took this away. He pruned this. Praise be the Lord. Mm -mm. That's not often. I dare you to do it after, at, at lunch today. Try it. But what does the gardener prune? What does our Father prune in our lives? Now, I'm going to go ahead and say that there are ways that what I'm about to tell you with these different connections and illustrations, they're going to fall off eventually if you keep holding on to this illustration. Just like every sermon illustration, don't take it too far. Take it for what it is, okay? So here's the first thing that the Father prunes in the believer. The dead shoots. Now, when you think of a, an anatomy of a, of, a, of a vine and a branch, you have the main vine, and then off of it you have the branches that reach out, and then one branch will have what are called shoots, right? Different sins. Sins, S-E-N-D-S. And one of the first things that God intends to prune in your life is the dead shoots. Now, I'm going to just go ahead and say that those shoots are the sin in your life. Sin is death. It's, it's brokenness. It's iniquity. God has a design and a purpose to remove all of those habits of sin in your life. Because sin, dead shoots, will never bear any fruit that glorify the Father. They never do. Your sin, in, in whatever twisted way you want to try to think it up, it will never actually glorify the Lord unless you run to His grace that covers the sin. But our sin hardly ever, never bears fruit. There's no fruit on those branches. And God has a design in your life to remove those habits of sin, those shoots of death in your life. He intends to prune them. Now, if you're like me, and you're finding out, I mean, and maybe you've already found out and identified, man, there's this shoot uh, off of my life that is, that is absolutely dead, and I don't know why God's not taking it away yet. Like, if, 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 if God sees dead shoots all around us, why wouldn't he just be like, oh, yeah, here you go. Now you're totally perfect. You're done. There's nothing wrong with you. You're good. Now go and bear fruit. Why, why wouldn't he do it all at once? Well, I think if you're asking that question, remind yourself of the illustration. What do you think the branch would start to think if he requires nothing else from the vine or the vine dresser? That he can do it all on his own. The whole point of this illustration is that you are in, to be in constant reliance upon God himself, the Father, the vine dresser, the Son, the vine. 
This is the whole, the whole thing. You're supposed to every day wake up relying on those new morning mercies. You're not supposed to come into today with yesterday's mercies. You're supposed to come fresh with today and say, God, where are your new mercies? I want them this morning. You're to rely on daily bread. So if you think for a second that, that, you should, that God should just in, in every way remove every offshoot of death in your life, then, then, then what would be the point of relying on daily grace? You're to rely on him in every way at every season. So be patient with the timing. Some of us who have been walking with Jesus for years are, are growing impatient with the timing. Some of us who are newer to our faith in Christ uh, can see, like, man, God's really changing me. And then you'll get to a point where you're like, man, what is he doing? <laughs> like, where is that at? Either way. Pruning is a season and it takes time, especially with these dead shoots. Now, a second thing that he'll prune are unhealthy shoots. Unhealthy shoots. Now, I'm, I'm just, this, this, real quick, these are, I would say, the, the lies that you have become convinced of in your own heart. And these lies aren't necessarily visible on the outside, but they disrupt everything on the inside, and they can find a way to poison the fruit, hinder the fruit. Um, they can find a way to disrupt the, the healthy growth of the fruit. This unhealth can taint the fruit. It can malnourish the fruit. So what God had intended to grow much fruit in your life, insecurities, and anxieties and fears and all of these different things can find a way to disrupt the health that was ready to go to that fruit and be born. So sometimes he'll remove the unhealth. And praise God, he will. He will remove through the, the counsel of the Holy Spirit lies that you've cherished in your heart for too long. Lies about yourself, lies about the Lord lies about the world. He'll prune those. He'll also prune, here's a third one, unnecessary shoots. He'll prune unnecessary shoots. Now, I'm going to try to explain this. Um, my apple tree, and, and, and even if you were to have your own vine with grapes on it, this would be something that you would see every now and then. Some of you might know this really well. Uh, branches sometimes will have irregular growth that are small little uh, shoots that kind of either they come out of the bottom and they shoot straight up or they come off the top and they go straight up. And they're just little, little twigs, little branches. Sometimes they grow three feet, five feet. And if you don't cut them, if you don't prune them, they'll continue to grow, but they never actually bear fruit. They're called water sprouts. You, uh, they, they, they're just, they can get all over the tree. In fact, that's kind of what makes the tree quote-unquote, hairy. And these water sprouts, the tree just, the, the, the branches just, they just grow them randomly here and there. And, and, and here's what I found. Water sprouts grow on the branch from the vine when the branch experiences stress or injury or trauma from a storm from root loss, 
from soil compaction, from any kind of topping or disease or drought. And what the tree is trying to do through that water sprout is reach for light in life through a sprout that will ever, never actually provide it enough. And what happens then is that one water sprout or the several water sprouts will cloud out sunlight, will require energy, will take away oxygen from the other healthy branches or the other shoots in life of the branch. You and I both know that when we experience trauma, when we experience a massive storm in life, or we're in a season of drought, we have the propensity to try to go reach towards things thinking that they're going to be able to provide life to us and sustain us. Um, Taking on a new hobby, um, trying to find an actually good football team in the state of Virginia to to celebrate. Liberty. Finding ways to relieve stress through uh, maybe it's overeating, maybe it's drinking alcohol, maybe it's drug use, maybe it's, uh, you, you can name it. All of these different things where you're, you're reaching out because of stress, because of trauma, and you're trying to find life in them, and they'll never actually bring it. The Father wants to prune those things in your life. Because they're not actually doing anything for your life. Here's the fourth thing that I I see the Father often uh, pruning. And that's misguided shoots. Misguided shoots. Uh, Shoots that grow in the wrong direction. Shoots that cross over another shoot and get too close to its space. These can be just things that are good in and of themselves, but are, are actually just not good priorities to hold on to. Things that you just don't need to have in your life, but they, 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 maybe they're culturally celebrated and good, but, but, but really, ultimately, they're, they're, they're just bad priorities. It's going, it takes you in a wrong direction. It can be... It can be just, just something that you're trying to give life to and growing in that, that, that really is just uh, God's intention is over here for you. Even though this, this branch, this offshoot this way is actually bearing some fruit, he might prune that branch because he actually wants you working over here in, 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 in this area of your life bearing fruit here. And that part, that one is the most confusing to experience. Because you've got, you've got some, it, 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 uh, something that grew over here, and it's like, why, it's, but it's still bearing fruit. It's still got some fruit on it, so it looks like it's good. It looks like it's right. And the father comes in, he cuts it off. He says, no, this is where I've got you. And I've experienced that, and it doesn't make sense. It's hard to, 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 to compute This often happens when transitions in life occur. Big transitions. Small ones too. You know, our our apple tree, uh, 
had so much growth this year that one of the branches got so weighed down that its tips were touching the ground. And I could never cut the grass under there. It just kind of let it grow. Uh, but it was bearing so much fruit. I didn't want to touch it. I didn't want didn't to prune it. Didn't want to take anything off of it. Just let it grow. Let it do a thing. And then next spring, I'll, 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 I'll go in and I'll prune it and I'll cut it back. Well, Monday last week, I walk out and half the branch has, is gone, removed. It's like back up and it's like there's nothing touching the ground. I'm like, I didn't do that. So I walked inside and said, Caitlin, Caitlin did, you, did you prune our tree? She's like, no. One of our neighbors came in and pruned our tree. We think. We know I didn't, we, I didn't do it unless I slept walked it or something. Like, like I didn't touch that tree. I was holding on to it because of its fruitfulness. And yet someone else knew that it wasn't the way that it was supposed to be growing. And they came in and they pruned it. God can come into our lives in some area that we think is growing a lot of fruit and, 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 and we don't want to touch it. We know it's not going to be the best, but we don't want to touch it because it's growing fruit and he comes in and he cuts it off and without us even knowing. And we can get angry at God, like I'm angry at my neighbor. Don't touch my tree. <laughs> or we can look at the ultimate design of God for our lives and surrender to his plans. Because he has a plan to glorify himself through you, through your fruitfulness that comes when you simply abide in him. Not when you work hard to produce a bunch of fruit, but when you live your life from Jesus' life. So this morning, I just need to ask this simple question. Are you willing and wanting to be pruned? In other words, I am asking you, are you willing to experience the pain that comes from pruning? Are you willing to experience the Father coming in, drawing close and saying, this in your life is not my design for you. I'll remove it. And I want to remind you that the branch doesn't get to pick and choose what the gardener cuts off, what he prunes. You don't get to tell the gardener, uh, I, want, I want to keep this, but I don't want that. You can take that, God. You know, I, I, um, I had a conversation with someone recently. I'm, I won't say who, what, or where, or why. Um, they asked me because they were struggling with how much they cuss as they're smoking weed, having just told me about the woman they slept with last night who's not their wife. And they're concerned about the the cussing. And I said, I said, like, uh, do you just want that gone or do you want all of it gone? Because, <laughs> uh, like, God wants all of that gone, <laughs> right? Uh, what do you want him to prune? Say all of it, <laughs> right? Like, you don't get to just say, well, no, I want this, but I don't want that. I want to keep this. I want to hold on to that. No, you, you have to fully surrender every part and say, all right, God, I'm, I'm, I'm at your mercy. I trust your design. Prune me whatever it takes. Now, 
as I'm asking, are you willing to be pruned? Uh, don't quietly sit there saying, man, I hope my spouse wants to be pruned. Because there's a way that we can get so focused on the hairiness of one another with all the extra overgrowth and the wild shoots and everything, and we can totally forget that we're the ones in process, right? So a, a wife is like, God, I'm, I want you to prune my husband's laziness, right? When, uh, when she's just constantly nagging, right? Like, I, I don't know if y'all have read that some Proverbs, but did you know Proverbs says that it's better for a husband to go live on the roof of his home than in the house with a nagging wife? Um, don't quote that to your wife in the middle of a fight, okay? If, if that's what you think, uh, if that's what you run off with, I've, I've, I may have equipped you poorly this morning. But w- what I'm saying is, don't get caught up in the hairiness of everyone else and what needs to be pruned in others' lives when God's design is for you to be pruned. And he wants you to surrender to his pruning knife. He wants you to cooperate with him. So if you guys would just bow your heads and, and, um, and I think that we really just have to have some time where we examine this. Where we ask the gardener to draw near and seek to prune us. And invite him to do that. And so, I don't have to do this for you. In your own relationship with the gardener, would you invite him to come and prune? Offer himself, offer yourself to him fully, and I say, I surrender to your hand. If you would just ask that now. Father, we do come to you thanking you that you have a design for pruning for each and every one of us that we will agree is good, that we will be reminded is, is motivated by love unto the objective of bearing more fruit in your kingdom to the glory of your name. And so, Father, I just, I pray right now. You are our gardener. You are the vine dresser. I pray, I, I was, as I was praying this morning over my own life, I pray this for our church family. We invite you to prune us. Clean us up. Prune out the, the dead shoots of sin and habits of sin that we've held on to for so long that have only led to death and guilt and heartbreak? Would you prune the unhealthy, those lies, the deceits, the insecurities, the fears, 
They're not welcome in our hearts anymore, and we see what they're doing to the fruit that, that you want to bear in us, so prune the unhealthy. God, would you also prune the unnecessary? So many of us have habits and hobbies that have, have robbed so much energy in our lives that could have been directed to kingdom branches, kingdom shoots of, of fruitfulness. God, would you prune those? God, would you also prune the misguided growth, the, those priorities that we accepted, that we took on, that are not in the direction that you would have us go? In other words, God, we fully surrender to your plans for pruning because at the end of it all, we see you are glorified through us bearing more fruit. So, Father, thank you, Son. Thank you for taking such good care of us through giving us life within through the vine and caring us for us from without with the Father pruning Thank you for caring for us, God. We surrender to your plans. Have your way among us, and we will give thanks. We love you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you guys would stand, I'd love to pray a benediction over you. If, if, if you're being convicted in a way, if you're having a hard time kind of processing this, I'd love to to meet with you up here and talk with you about this. I'd love to pray over you, encourage you, whatever way I can to care for you. Um, if you have some time to hang out and chill for a little bit, we've got some refreshments out there. I'd love to have you get to know one another more and more. and Maybe, maybe share, share something that God has recently pruned that you've seen, then give fruit to other areas in your life. Don't forget... Um, Right after this, are we doing the Christmas decorations? Is that happening? I'm not leading it. Somebody's leading it. Who's leading it? Yeah, Tammy. Yeah, so if you can stay, if you want to put up some decorations, uh, that would be... That's good to know. That's good to know. But if you're able to hang out for a little bit and help put up Christmas decorations so that next Sunday when we start our Advent season, we can have them up, that would be great. Let me pray over you from Romans 15, this benediction. It says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have an incredible week.